Hello and welcome to ACS Chemical Biology's podcast for April 2015. I'm Jay Suarez, Acquisitions Editor for the Journal. The current issue of ACS Chemical Biology comprises 28 articles, including a paper by Carl Griswold, who proposes an alternative strategy to chemotherapies through the engineering of bacteriolytic enzymes. I have Carl here on the phone to tell us more about the article. Hi, Carl. Hi, Jitesh. So first up, what are the advantages of using bacteriolytic enzymes as chemotherapeutics over other chemotherapies? So that the bacteriolytic enzymes are actually really cool, and they've got a lot of features that are attractive from a therapeutic perspective. And in the interest of time, I'll just mention a couple of important ones. I think one of the first things is that they're not susceptible to the resistance mechanisms that pathogens typically use to subvert conventional antimicrobial chemotherapies. And as a result, they can kill both drug-sensitive and drug-resistant pathogens with equal efficacy. So that's really important in addressing the drug-resistance issue. Um, Another feature that, that, again, is attractive from a therapeutic perspective is that they're active towards bacteria that are in any metabolic or growth state, whereas conventional antibacterial chemotherapies often um, have specific inhibition of various growth of metabolic pathways. So that as a result of their particular modes of action, these conventional chemotherapies um, can suffer from reduced efficacy towards bacteria that are undergoing or experiencing a reduced metabolic or reduced growth rates, and that can include cells that are growing in biofilms or cells that are growing in hypoxic environments. Both of those are very relevant to infections in humans. Now, conversely, uh, these lytic enzymes kind of actively degrade the bacterial cell wall, and they're therefore able to kill bacteria irrespective of their metabolic or growth state. So both of those, I think, are are big advantages of these types of biotherapies. Yes, certainly. So in your current paper, then, in ACS Chemical Biology, you have redesigned human lysozyme. Uh, How was this achieved? So the, the, the concise answer to that is that we leveraged combinatorial library construction and ultra-high throughput functional screening to um, engineer and identify lysozymes that were able to kill bacteria in the presence of a really potent inhibitory protein that's produced by the bacterial pathogen E. coli. You want a, a little more detail than that? Yes, please go ahead. What we did is we, we built a molecular model of the IV inhibitory protein bound to the human lysozyme molecule. And we used that molecular model to identify lysozyme residues that we thought were likely to play an important role in IV's ability to to recognize lysozyme, bind it, and inhibit its activity. So the problem is that simply identifying kind of these key positions um, isn't sufficient to tell us exactly which mutations to make to those amino acids in order to achieve our goal of performance-enhanced antibacterial enzymes. Keep in mind that we really had two separate but related design objectives. So on the one hand, we want to design enzymes that evade binding and inhibition by IV, but at the same time, we need to retain high levels of inherent antibacterial activity. And you can imagine that some mutations might be really good at avoiding IV binding, yet they might at the same time cause lysozyme to be catalytically inactivated. And that would undermine the whole point of our project. So um, instead of making kind of ill-informed guesses about which mutations to introduce, we instead made combinatorial substitutions at all of these lysozyme target positions. So essentially, we, we built a large synthetic device 
diverse population of mutated lysozyme proteins. And we then adapted an ultra-high throughput antibiotic screen that my lab has developed over the last few years. Um, and the point of that screen is that keep in mind that when you're screening protein libraries for enhanced function, you have to physically link the observable phenotype. And so for us, that was lysozyme-mediated killing of bacteria in the presence of the IV inhibitor. So we need to link that observable desired phenotype to the encoding genotype. And in our case, that genotype was encoded in a library of yeast cells where each one of those individual yeast clones was producing one and only one lysozyme variant from our library population. So to couple this yeast-encoded genotype to the desired bacterial-killing phenotype, what we did is co-encapsulated bacterial pathogens with individual yeast cells using micron-scale hydrogel microdroplets. And these gel microdroplets provide a, a kind of a semi-rigid scaffold that physically co-localizes the yeast with the target bacteria. We can then use a fluorescence viability probe to selectively stain only those gel microdroplets in which the yeast cells have killed their co-encapsulated target bacteria, despite the fact that we've added a bunch of exogenous IV inhibitory protein to the assay. So now these fluorescently tagged gel microdroplets can be isolated by high-speed flow cytometry, and that allows us to isolate the mutated genes that encode these functionally enhanced lysozymes, able to kill bacteria in the presence of IV. Yeah, that's a great strategy. So just to conclude then, why re-engineer the specific enzyme that is human lysozyme, and how effective was this, was this strategy in evading pathogens? Lysozyme is a, a ubiquitous antibacterial protein in the human body, and as a result of that, we expect that lysozyme therapies should be compatible with the human immune system. Um, we think that's an advantage relative to other bacteriolytic enzyme therapies that are under development right now, um, because most of those alternative enzyme therapies are actually derived from non-human sources. For instance, they're taken from bacteria themselves, or they're derived from bacterial viruses known as bacteria. Bacteriophage. So these non-human proteins are predisposed towards um, undesired immunogenicity. Certainly, we need to make sure that we are not inadvertently introducing new immunogenic epitopes into our engineered lysozymes. But as a general um, concept, we think that immunocompatibility will be an advantage of lysozyme in particular. So uh, as to our, our success, um, I think that we, we did indeed engineer lysozyme variants that evaded the IV inhibitory protein from E. coli. And we also showed that within our family of engineered enzymes, the ability to evade IV mapped onto enhanced ability to kill E. coli cells. So that was really our, our, our objective, our specific objective in this project. I think, on the other hand, there's still a lot of work that we need to do. So for one thing, our modified lysozymes had lower inherent catalytic activity than the wild-type lysozyme. So we really need to go back and re-engineer our IV escape variants so that they have higher catalytic firepower. And a second, uh, a second thing is that while our enzymes were very good at evading IV that's produced by the coli pathogen, they inadvertently acquired greater sensitivity to a related inhibitory protein from the pathogen Pseudomonas aeruginosa, and they also became more susceptible to inhibition by a different E. coli inhibitory protein called the membrane-bound lysozyme inhibitor of C-type lysozyme. 
so to develop variants that um, maybe have real therapeutic um, potential above and beyond that of wild-type lysozyme, we really need to design versions that are broadly evasive of the various lysozyme inhibitors that can sometimes be found within a single bacterial species, as well as maybe diverse inhibitors that are produced across different pathogenic genera. Thanks for joining us today. That's it for this month's show. Join us again next month for more ACS Chemical Biology highlights and interviews with our authors. To learn more about the journal, please visit us at pubs.acs.org forward slash journal forward slash ACS Chemical Biology. Thanks to all of you for listening.